some of you, maybe one of you in particular, who is maybe borderline insane, might have set an alarm for 4.30 this morning to set an alarm to run in the Flying Pig Marathon and run a half marathon and run 13.1 miles and drive all the way back home from Cincinnati and still come to church on time. Wes Truesdell is a superhero, uh, just in case you all didn't know that. Um, like, I got out of bed and got here, and some of you all feel like you're a superhero just for that. So, you know, whatever floats any of your boats is cool with me. Um, but you all are here today as a result of a series of choices you've made, right? Maybe you're here because you chose to marry someone who said, if you marry me, you have to follow Jesus, and you started to follow down this path of, of following Jesus. Maybe you're here today because you married into a family that said you have to come to Sunday dinner and you have to go to church beforehand. Maybe you're here today because for whatever reason, however it ended up, you're here today because of a series of choices that you made ended up that you're in this moment. Even if not everything that happened, right, is really your fault. Even if not everything that occurred is because of you. You are here today because of a series of choices that you made. You are where you are because of a series of choices that you've made. I just want to give you some free advice. Um, this is just between you and me. The best choice you can ever make is to never, ever, 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 ever ask that lady if she's pregnant. Right? I almost did it this week. Like, I try not to ever do it. And this lady, she was serving at the, at the restaurant I was at, and I almost said, how's the ba bacon sandwich taste? And I saw it in her eyes that I think she knew where I was going, and she looked at me, and I was like, is it good bacon? I'll give a big tip, I swear. Like, I just, it was done, right? Like, you know, right? So just, that's a, always, that's a free choice, right? That's nothing to do with money, but we're going there, okay? So here's the thing. When it comes to your money and your finances, financially, you are where you are today, whether it's rich, whether it's poor, whether it's happy, whether it's mad, whether it's, whether it's broke, whether it's wealthy, you are where you are financially because of choices you have made. And, and I know that's a hard pill to swallow for some of us, right? Because there's so many other people that we want to blame, and there's so many other situations that could have been better and could have been easier, but the reality is, is that for all of us, things could have been different, but we made the choices we made, and we are where we are because of the choices that we made. A few years ago, some nationally renowned economic, ec economists released a study that they did over, over across the whole country, and they asked these, this group of people the same question, would you for $10 million dollars? And they went down the list of these questions, and the results really are astounding. And it really kind of shows the choices that we make in regards to money, right? So for $10 million, a nationally sampled survey, for $10 million, 25% of Americans said that they would abandon their entire family. 16% said that they would give up their American citizenship. 10% said that they would withhold testimony in court, even to the point of letting a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% said that for $10 million, they would willingly murder a stranger. 3% said that for $10 million, they would be okay with putting their children up for adoption. Some of you, depending on the kind of morning you had, think, I would pay $10 million to put my children up for adoption. 
But when it comes to money, there's always choices to make, right? Like there's always a choice to make. And and one, one one of the famous philosophers always said that every yes is always an affirmation and a renunciation. And what he said is that every time we say yes to something, we are saying no to so many other things. And every choice we've made with our money is we're saying yes to this thing, yes to that thing, or yes to this thing, but we are in the end saying no to so many other things. And so today, as we continue down this road of the ABCs to financial freedom, when we've talked about the A of the attitude of understanding that we don't really own our money, that the earth is the Lord and everything in it. And last week, we talked about the bondage of debt and what that really does and how, how owing other people makes us a slave to those people. Today, we talk about the choice of generosity. And it's a choice that's not a fun choice to make. And I'll be honest, it's a choice that's not a fun choice for me to talk about. And I know that there are some of you who are like, man, I brought a friend for the first time today. Or you're like, this is your first time here at this church. And you're like, oh, church talking about giving money. What a coincidence. That's what every church talks about. But I want you to know, like, this is the week more than any that I lay awake thinking, can I talk about something else? Because it's such a hard topic for a church to talk about, but I want you to know that our heart is not that we want something from you, but we want something for you. So I want you to check out, uh, in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is written by this guy named Solomon, who many believe is one of the wisest men to ever live. And he wrote this in the book of Proverbs chapter 3. It starts out like this. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he says this in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, For they will prolong their life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring your health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And check this out right here. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. So what is the wisest man who ever lives? How does the smartest man of all time tell you to, to, to do your, with your money? How does he tell you to manage your money? He says to do three things. He says to remember what God says. He says to trust what God does. And he says to honor who God is. I mean, that's it right there, right? Like the choices you make with your money should do those three things. They should remember what God says, they should trust what God does, and they should honor who God is. But I think before we really dig into the choice of generosity, we have to answer a question first and foremost. And the question that we have to answer is this. The question we have to answer is, who is it that's behind your financial difficulties? Who is the reason? I want to give you a second to think about this. Who is the reason that you have financial struggles? Take a second. Don't answer it out loud because they might be sitting near you, right? Like, but think about that for just a second by yourself. 
Who is the reason you struggle with difficulty financially? Have it in your mind? Do you know who it is? Okay. It's not your spouse. It's not your ex. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. It's not the government. Here, this might sound crazy, right? And to some of you, this might sound outright foolish. But the person who is behind your financial difficulty is God. I firmly believe that God is behind your financial problems. And I want you to hear me out. If you don't believe me, that's fine. I don't shut down on me yet. I want, you to, I want you to tune in even harder if you disagree with me because I want you to hear what I have to say. If you feel strapped, if you feel tied down, if you feel like things aren't going that well for you right now, I want you to hear me out because I want you to know that I think God it might be to blame for some of your financial difficulties. If you want to turn in your Bible to the book of Haggai, it's probably not a book you've ever read, but it's a really interesting story. And it's the story of the people of Israel who are being released from the captivity of the Babylons, right? So they're leaving the bondage, they're leaving the slavery of the Babylonians. And as they're leaving the slavery of the Babylonians, they return to the promised land of Israel, the land that God had promised them. And the first thing they do when they get home is they build themselves some nice houses, right? So they put up some good houses. They put some nice bedrooms in. They've got the bathrooms installed. They're putting in some, you know, the rec room in the basement. And they got everything good to go. And everything is good. But then they're realizing that something just isn't right. You know that feeling? Maybe you've had that feeling before. That you look around and everything should be okay, but for some reason, things just aren't right. This is what's happening to the Israelites, and this is when Haggai comes in, right? So this is what it says in Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 2. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, but when the word of the Lord came from the prophet Haggai, he says, God says to them, is it time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? And so the people of, of Israel get together and they say, well, the temple is still a mess, but it's not time to fix that yet. You see, they've got their houses fixed. They've got their houses put together. And they get together and they say that the temple needs fixed. God's house where God lives needs fixed, but it's not time for that yet. And Haggai, speaking for the Lord, he comes down and he says, wait, 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 time out. You think it's not time for that yet? And listen to his response. He says, now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought, 
on the fields and the mountains and the grain and the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on the people and the livestock and the labor of your hands. And so what does God tell the people of Israel? He says, does it seem like you don't have enough money? Does it seem like you put your money in your wallet and it falls right back out? Does it seem like no matter how many clothes you buy, you don't have the right thing? Does it seem like no matter how much you feed your kids, they're always hungry? Does it seem like no matter how many groceries you buy, the pantry's always empty? He said, does it seem like no matter how hard you work, you never have enough money at the end of the week? And then you start to think, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because doesn't that sound familiar? And God tells the people of Israel, he says, it's because you ignored me. It's because you did not put me first. God tells the people of Israel, he tells tells the people through Haggai, the reason you're struggling financially is because you're not managing your money God's way. It's because you've chosen to make other things a priority. It's because you've chosen to make yourself a priority. It's because you've chosen to make your life a priority outside of God's way. And here, here's the thing. I want to make sure this is clear because I, I don't want you to think that I, I don't understand this. I know that some of the richest people in the world and some of the richest people you may know don't give a hoot about God. And I know that some of the poorest people you may know might be some of the most faithful believers but I also know that the reason they are exceptions is because most of the people are the rule. And I would argue that most of us probably fit in the category of the rule. And I would argue that for a lot of us, the reason that we're in financial pain, the reason that we're struggling financially is because we are not honoring God with our generosity. And the reason that we are struggling financially, the reason that our clothes don't seem to, to, to warm us like they did, the reason that our pantry seems empty all the time, the reason that we're always a little more hungry than we thought we were, the reason that we work so hard and it seems like we have so little isn't because the economy is bad, isn't because the government's taking too much, it's because God is drying up are well because we aren't honoring him like we should. And I'll be honest, you can write me off and call it hokum all you want. I I don't care. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can tell me I'm, I'm foolish. That's cool. Your other option is to try it. Because I've been living this way for seven years, and I can prove it to you. Because I used to live the other way. Because I used to live the way that I know some of you live, where every time there's an unidentified number on your caller ID, you're afraid that it's a creditor, and you're just not going to answer. 
Because I used to live the way where you lay awake at night thinking, I don't have enough gas to get to work to get my check for payday, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it then from the, gas, from the work to the gas bank to the gas station. I know that feeling, right? I know how it feels to, to worry about the three bills that are due in the same week that there's only one paycheck coming in. And I also know how it feels to be committed to giving 10% off the top as a first priority and how God works in those ways. Because I've lived both sides of the story and I'm telling you that I can point you to five or six families in this room right now who have lived both sides of this story who can tell you affirmatively that God can either dry up your bank account or he can give you just enough. Because I'm not telling you that if you give 10%, all of a sudden your Chevy Impala turns into a Cadillac because no matter how many times I pray that the Chevy Impala turns into an SUV, it doesn't happen. But I am telling you that it gives you more than you need. Because God wants better for us than the bondage that we're living in right now. But some of us can't see our way clear because we're not willing to give, because we're not willing to live his way financially. Giving back to God is the centerpiece of our financial plan. I'll say it again, that giving back to God is the centerpiece of our financial plan. If you're not willing to take this step, then attitude, bondage, next week when we talk about decisions, and last week when we talk about encouragement, they don't matter. Because the choice to be generous, the choice to give off the top as a priority means nothing. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. What does it say? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Right? And there's always that pause there where somebody says, okay, cool. When I'm wealthy, I'm in. But real quick, raise your hand if you walked here. None of you? Well, Zach, you're a smart aleck. That's fine. You're leaving. I don't care. If you drove here, it means you own a car. That puts you automatically in the, in the 16% richest people in the world. And that's just if you own, own a work, one working car. That doesn't count if your family owns multiple working cars, let alone the value of your car, which for most of you is much higher than the world average. Most of us is much higher than the world average. So we automatically qualify in the rich category. Are we honoring God with our riches? I, I don't tell you this to brag. I tell you this as, as a testimony of God's faithfulness. I tease my wife all the time. Whitney is the bill payer in our house. That won't surprise any of you, but she is. And Whitney pays every bill by mail and by check because we're 90 years old, I guess, and, and that's the way it works. But there is one bill at our house that gets paid online and gets paid automatically. We get paid weekly at the church. And every Monday night, through, through our bank, through online banking, through an automatic withdrawal, there is an automatic tithe check that comes out through online automatic withdrawal that comes in the mail to the bank, to the church. Because there's only one online and there's only one automatic, and it's the tithe because it's the only one that comes out as the first priority. In June, we're going to restart our online giving. 
and we're going to try everything we can to make it easier for you to make online giving a priority. If you have online banking like we do, we can show you how to make it a priority right now for you to give online through your bank and make it an automatic priority to give every time you're paid to make it the first 10% right off the top, to make it a first chunk right off the top to say, this is a priority for me. The first time it's mentioned is one of the very first people in the Bible. The Adam and Eve have two sons. Their names are Cain and Abel. Cain is the hunter. Abel is the farmer. Cain gives God the leftovers of what he's hunted and the prime he takes for himself and what's left over he gives to God. And God says, I see, thanks for the leftovers. But Abel gives the first fruits. Note, the hero of the story is Abel, right? Just for the record, Cain is the murderer. Everyone always gets confused about that part. A couple, a couple of chapters later, Abraham and Jacob, God calls them to give 10% of everything they have. And it's a principle that carries over time and time again throughout the entire Old Testament that God calls on the people to give one-tenth of what they get as a way to honor him. And I know, I know, I know that you can say, well, the Old Testament was the Old Testament. Because of Jesus, there is the New Testament. And I say, that's true. But I also tell you that the Old Testament law can be carried into a New Testament principle. And it's something that you can follow. And I also share with you things like this, that God says in the book of Malachi, will a mere mortal rob God, but you rob me. And you ask, how do you rob? In tithes and offerings. And God says, you are under a curse because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house And check this, this is the important part. And he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And again, I tell you, if you want, you can argue with me and you can say, tithing is an Old Testament principle. I don't have to tithe. And I can say, no, you don't. You don't have to. You also don't have to come to church. You also don't have to follow Jesus. It's not. It's your choice. But I can tell you, and I can point to you, to so many friends and so many people and millions of stories over generations of faithful people who have chosen to give generously to God and to his people and who have chosen to say, it's going to cost. Because I'll be honest, Giving 10% isn't always easy. And there are times when we've had meetings about the budget, and there are times when we've talked about, about our spending and about, and about what, what, what bills are coming and about what's happening, and we've caught ourselves saying, if we just had that 10%. But then we remember... And we remember the stories, and I've told you the stories before about, about the reimbursements from the hospital that weren't really supposed to come, or about the, the checks in the mail that didn't really need to show up but showed up, or about the bills that magically got erased, or the things that just kind of seemed to happen and happened and only seemed to happen to people who tithe. I don't promise that God is a magical vending machine fairy who's going to, if you tithe, make all of your financial problems going, go away. But I will tell you that people who give generously to God as a priority will tell you time and time again that they don't struggle financially like people who say, 
I give to God when I can. When it happens. When, when it's available. Again, I, I want you to know, like, as a church, right now we're operating in the black. Uh, Budget-wise, we're doing well. Offering-wise, we're doing fantastic. We've had one of the best first halves of the year we've had in the six years I've been here. This isn't a plea to, to make sure we keep our doors open. Like, we're fine. I firmly believe that we are more in the center of God's will right now as a church than we've ever been. The endless summer campaign this summer is going to be one of the craziest, most awesome things that's ever happened to our church. Like, this isn't about us. This isn't because we want something from you. This is because we want something for you. And what we want for you is financial freedom. And until you're willing to make the choice to be generous, it's not going to happen. One of my, one of my very best friends in ministry is, uh, he's older than me. Don't tell him I said that, but his name is Brian. And uh, He's a, he's a pastor in Philadelphia, and he's a real gimmicky guy. I don't do gimmicks ever. We don't do gimmicks here. And uh, he loves to teach on giving. And so I called him this week, and I said, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing my tithe talk this week. And he said, are you doing the, the giving challenge? And I said, you know I'm not. He said, you got to do the giving challenge, man. you got to do the giving challenge. So what Brian does every time he talks about tithing is he does the 90-day giving challenge, the 90-day tithe challenge. And if you commit at Brian's church to the 90-day tithe challenge, what it is is if you commit to tithing over the course of 90 days, but you come to the end of the 90 days and feel like God hasn't blessed you financially, his church will give you their money back. Will give you your money back. And he said, you got to do it, man. So here's what we've decided. If you commit to tithing over the next 90 days and you don't feel like God's blessed you, let me know. I'll give you Brian's phone number. His church will give you your money back. <laughs> It's not true, please, just for the record. Like, he'd be really mad if I gave out his phone number to anybody. But um, we don't do gimmicks, like, because it doesn't work. Like, here's the thing. It's a choice you have to make. And I think it's a choice you can make. And I think it's a choice you can make today. Here's, here's the bottom line. You are not, we are not doing a good job managing 100% of our money. Imagine what God can let you do if you just give him that 10%. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't love guilt trips. I don't do this to be manipulative. I don't, I don't do this to, to make you feel bad. I, I just want to challenge you to know what God can do in your life because I've seen it in my own and because people in this room have come to me privately and have said, we, this isn't the first time we've had this conversation. And they've said, because, of, because I changed our generosity habits, because we changed our giving habits, I've seen how God can work. And I'm telling you, it can work in your life. So we're going to change things up a little bit today. And here's what we're going to do. Typically, we enter into communion right here. But today, we're going to do offering here. So the guys are going to go back and they're going to get the offering plates and Zach's going to play quietly while we do offering. And I know that today you're probably not prepared to give a tithe, right? Like, like if, if that's not something you normally do, that, that's fine. I don't expect that. But here's what I do want you to do. I want you to take your time, right? And the guys are going to take their time for just a second. And I want you to just do some quick math in your head. If you're not very good at math, you just need to move the decimal point over one place. And just start thinking about what 10% looks like. 
and start thinking about the sacrifice that might have to come. And that might mean, you know, less trips here. It might mean uh, less trips there. It might mean some sacrifices. It might mean some difficult conversations. And start thinking about the cost that's going to come with it. But then start thinking about the anxiety that's been happening for years. And start thinking about the endless nights that you've laid awake worried about money. Start thinking about the years that you've been strapped and how nice it would be for those to just end. And take this quiet moment to just start praying, God, give me the courage to make the choice to be generous. Will you stand with me?